0: Well, I hope you have your Bibles with you. You might be wondering, where is Pastor Matthew? He is in Florida enjoying his vacation, so uh, be praying for him as he and Leslie are enjoying some time together that they, uh, of course, need, so be praying for them as they are heading back in a couple days. I've been telling you in this Jude series that false teachers attack the Word of God, And many of them insist that the Word of God is full of errors, or that it's not relevant today. You've heard these. Or they place themselves over the Bible, claiming that they have new revelation, new authority, or they set about reinterpreting it. It's this last one that we're going to be looking at more than anything today. This issue of homosexuality is quickly slipping into churches all over our country. Let me introduce you to Reverend Oliver White, who was asked in an interview... If Jesus clearly defined marriage between a man and a woman, and he responded in this way, he said, quote, if Jesus were alive today, I think he would be more inclined to say, you know, I didn't know it all. Well, let me let you meet Reverend Oliver White in this video.
1: I would like to add that a lot of the misinformation, unfortunately, is in the church. Yeah. comes from the pulpit. And uh, Sunday morning used to be called uh, the most racist hour of the week. Uh, but as far as I'm concerned, it has become the most homophobic hour of the week. And uh, a lot of good people have been misguided. Mm-hmm. By an unfortunate misinterpretation of scripture that would suggest that a person who happens to have a sexual orientation that is, uh, but not quite connected to the norm is, uh, apparently, uh, damned by God, but nothing could be further from the truth. Mm-hmm. And that is why as a minister I have tried to uh preach love as opposed to hatred I mean if we're going to hate uh, gays and homosexuals and say that they were born created wrong uh, as where then we may as well uh, aim our arrows of racism and homophobic at uh, left-handed people or cross-eyed people or people who are uh, born conjoined.
0: If you were here last week, you heard me say two things. One is that we've got to be governed by love towards those who self-identify themselves as gay. And secondly, that we've got to be armed with biblical knowledge. Friends, the world is lying to us. You know that, right? The world is lying to us. And many who are in the church are spreading these lies to Christians. And if you're going to step into that ring... Jude, verse 3. If you're going to step in and you're going to contend for the faith, and you step into this issue of homosexuality, you do. You've got to be governed by love. Do you love those who would say that they're homosexual? Do you really love them? And if God were to privilege you, By bringing you someone who is gay or somebody who is homosexual into your life, would you love them and would you be armed with biblical knowledge? Well, I want to show you three lies that the world is spreading and that Christians are believing. And we're going to look at the scriptures for each one of them. Here's lie number one. There is nothing wrong with homosexuality. Lie number one. I want you to meet Charlene Cothran, who was a lesbian for 30 years. She was the editor of Venus Magazine. She had become, which that that magazine had become the world's or the nation's most reliable print resource for reaching black, gay, and lesbian people. She met Jesus in 2006 and after three years of Bible training, she started a ministry to gay women in the black community, helping them to find freedom through Christ and his word. I want you to meet Charlene.
2: As I look back, I see that the devil deceived me and he deceived many, many uh, thousands and thousands of others into believing that we could uh, be happy. You know, that's the deception that this is a happy life. This is a gay life. This is a gay pride. We are happy. None of that is true.
0: There's nothing wrong with homosexuality is the lie. You remember that Queen James Bible? Just released just a little while ago, reinterprets the biblical passages on homosexuality. Here's what the King James Bible says of Leviticus 18 verse 22. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. Here's what the King, the Queen James does. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind in the temple of Moloch. It is an abomination. Then you go to Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13. The King James says, If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Here's what the Queen James reinterprets it to say. If a man also lie with mankind in the temple of Moloch as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. You see, what they're saying, saying is this, and I want you to, you've got to be armed with biblical knowledge. What they're saying is this, is that Israel should not be part of the surrounding nation's idolatry. Yet in neither of those passages, or e- neither of those verses, Leviticus 18 or chapter 20, do the words in the Hebrew language in the temple of Malik occur. You see, they're twisting by saying that the Hebrew word for, for abomination means ritual uncleanness. Which is something taboo, something namely like the idol worship of the Canaanite deity Moloch. If you go back to Leviticus 18, if you're open to that, if you've got your Bibles open to that passage, the very verse before the one on homosexuality is talking about letting parents do not give your child, your baby, to Moloch to be sacrificed. Then they bring it into verse 22 and say that it's the same context. That's not true. Friends, listen, I'm going to teach you how you answer this lie. Abomination, the the, the Hebrew word abomination, it can mean ritual uncleanness, but listen, it also means to be ethically or morally unclean in God's eyes. Not just ritually unclean, but morally and ethically unclean. And so listen, here's how you counter this. And you've gotta, you've gotta think through the passage. If you're gonna be consistent with this interpretation of the Queen James Bible and pro-gay scholars, that, that what, that what is in view here is homosexuality that's done as an offering to the God Moloch. If you're gonna be consistent with that, then all of these sins, That are forbidden in Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 22. All of them need to be seen in a pagan worship context. And if you, if you're not offering them as a sacrifice to Moloch, then God's okay with them. It's permissible. So let's bring out a few of these. Now listen, be ready. Can you imagine? Now can you imagine liberal scholars supporting That God's okay if you have intimacy with your siblings. Because that's one of Leviticus 18 prohibitions. Or if parents can have relationships intimately, sexually with their children, which is prohibited in Leviticus 18. Or if child sacrifice isn't to the God Moloch, then it's okay to sacrifice your child. Well, that's already happening, isn't it? It's called abortion. Well, then, if you're talking to somebody that is pro-gay and they're a biblical scholar, here's what they're going to tell you. They're going to tell you that if tattoos and eating pork, which are both condemned in Leviticus, are now permissible, then why is the same consideration not given for homosexuality? And here would be my answer. The law of God has three parts, friends. It has the civil law, the ceremonial law, and the moral law. The civil law, which is what governed the nation of Israel as a nation under God. The ceremonial law governed their worship. The moral law, think Ten Commandments and all of their derivations or all of their teachings. The moral law kept the people holy and distinct from the people of the world. Now here's, the moral law It continues to today. We're still looking at the moral law. Isn't that make, doesn't that make sense? Listen, you can't go out and murder somebody. You can't put another God before God. You can't have adultery. You can't steal and lie. You can't bring the name of God down. The moral law is still in effect today, but the civil law, the ceremonial law, they're done. They were met in Jesus. This is what Colossians means. They were a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. The whole moral law, however, continues. Now, where is homosexuality? Under civil, ceremonial, or moral law. It's under moral law. What God says is wrong, what He says is, a, is an abomination. Listen, it's, al- it's always going to reap emotional, psychological, and physical harm. If God says something is wrong and we engage in it, it will never ever lead to health. Let me give you some fascinating statistics. Remember, what the lie number one is, is that homosexuality is not wrong. Actually, they believe that it's good. It is beautiful. McWherter in Madison, in a study of 156 committed male homosexual couples, found that not one of those couples had been together, who, who had been together for more than five years, had remained monogamous and faithful to one another. 73% of the psychiatrists who responded to an American Psychiatric Association survey said that they found homosexual men to be less happy than heterosexual men. 70% said they believed this was due to personal conflicts, not social stigma. In a national health care survey, 75% of the nearly 2,000 lesbian respondents reported pursuing counseling, many of them for long-term depression. Now, you might be saying, well, Pastor Tim, you must have been looking at Christian surveys. Not one of these is a Christian survey. These are all secularly funded surveys. The world is finding out that they're lying. They just won't tell us. Homosexual men, listen, are six times more likely to have attempted suicide than heterosexual men. Between 25 and 33% of homosexual men and women are alcoholics. The gay magazine Genre found that 24% of gays had more than 100 sexual partners. The norm is creeping higher, some even between 500 and 1,000. 90% of lesbians surveyed had been recipients of one or more acts of verbal aggression from their partners and 31% reported experiencing physical abuse. That's twice the average in heterosexual women and men it is almost five times the average. The American Journal of Public Health surveyed 2,881 gay men. That's a lot of gay men they surveyed. They discovered that the rate of battering and abuse was five times the rate found in heterosexual men's relationships. All of this information was derived from secular sources. And their own research is clear: something is wrong with homosexuality. It is an abomination, and what God says is wrong will never ever lead to emotional, physical, or mental or spiritual health. But there's a second lie. Now, listen: why am I doing this survey, or why am I doing this sermon series? I think I mentioned last week that for for about two years now, I've been wanting to preach on this subject. But I've never wanted to preach until the Word of God comes to it, came to it. I didn't want to just do a special series on it. I wanted to do it embedded in the context of a book. Jude is where it finally occurred for me. This is, not, this is one of the top two reasons why I chose to do Jude next in this series. And what we're learning is that there are people coming into the church, false teachers, who are bringing lies and they're trying to destroy faith. And one of one of the things that false teachers are bringing into the church today are these lies that, number one, homosexuality is not wrong. In fact, on the converse, it's beautiful. That's lie number one. But lie number two is this. People are born gay. Romans chapter 1, if you can open up your Bibles to it. Let's look at verse 26. For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Now, let's see what the pro-gay scholars say, because they say that unnatural, and you got to hear this, you got to know this, they're going to tell you that unnatural desires are desires that are contrary to those that you're born with. You know what that means? An unnatural desire would be if a homosexual tries to live a heterosexual life. Or if a heterosexual experiments with a homosexual life. What they're saying is that if you are born gay, which they believe you are if you're a homosexual, if you're born gay, living out those desires are natural. Here's what the Bible means when it says desires that are contrary to nature. You ready? Here's, Here's where it all turns. Here's what God means in that. He means d- d- that their are desires that go against what God had ordained in creation. Do you hear that? Their that are desires that are contrary to what God had ordained in creation. Stanley Grins wrote this. When Paul writes that same-sex sex is against nature... He means it goes against the order of creation as nature, the word nature for God, for Paul means the created order. It's not, now listen here, you gotta get this, it's not contrary To what we're born with, these desires, it's not that they're contrary to what we're born with, they're contrary to God's original intent in creation. In other words, those who reinterpret this passage to support homosexuality say that Paul is speaking to those who violate their own sexual orientation. This isn't about me living out desires that are contrary to what I'm born with. It's about me living out desires that are contrary way farther back. Desires that are contrary to what God originally created. And that context is clear in Romans. You go back to verse 20. Are you there? Because Paul's meaning for contrary to nature starts to come clear. For his invisible attributes, namely his God's eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so they are without excuse. In other words, what he's saying is this. You can't not look at creation and result in a belief, in a feeling, and a sense. Something orderly created this. God has revealed himself to every single human being in creation generally. All of nature speaks to a God that created it. Chapter two, even our consciences, the conscience in every single human being testifies that there is a God that has created all that there is. So nature testifies, your conscience testifies, all people are without an excuse. But Paul says there's a lot of people who have suppressed this truth. Now listen, look at me. Look at me. You've got to know this. There's a lot of people, Paul says, who have repressed this truth. They've held it down, that word means. They've held it down. They've suppressed it. And they've rejected God and they've become futile in their thinking. There's a, there's a reaction. Listen, if God makes something clear to us and we suppress it, we don't like it, so we submerge it, we don't want to live it, we don't want to obey it, so we push it down. What happens is your thinking becomes darkened. It can't see the light of God's truth. And when your thinking becomes darkened, your mind and your heart become hardened and your thinking and your mind becomes futile. It can no longer operate the way that God intended it to. And as a result, look what it says. God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Did you see that? God gave them up to dishonorable passions. If you don't want me, then you can have you, God is saying, without my restraining grace on your sinfulness. Listen, if you don't want me, God is saying, that you can, then you can have you, but I'm not going to give you my grace that is pulling back your sin. I'm going to give you up to dishonorable passions. And their women exchanged natural relations and likewise men gave up natural relations, meaning they got ordained in the creation account when Adam was lonely. Remember God said it is not good for the man to be alone. God had brought all the animals. In front of Adam, and Adam had an unbelievable intelligence, not futile, not in his thinking darkened. He had a mind that works. Some people would believe that while our minds, our brains can only function at 10% capacity. I don't know if that's true, but spect uh, graphs show there's a lot of the brain not being lit up. They're, they believe that Adam's brain was working 100%. If that's true, that's 90% possibly more than ours does. So all of these animals Animals come before Adam. And God gives Adam naming power, naming authority, and he names all of them. And he sees nothing in all of those animals that is like him. No animals created in the image of God. Only humanity is created in the image of God. So God sees Adam and He says it's not good for man to be alone. So let us make him alone helper suitable for him. Now listen, God could have reached down and shaped another mound from the dirt and made another man and given him to Adam for a lifelong companion. He could have taken a rib from Adam and made another man and given him to Adam for a lifelong companion. But that's not God's created order. God created a counterpart, somebody that received while Adam gave, somebody whose body was opposite, someone whose emotional state was contrary to Adam's. This is God's designed order. And when their women exchanged, Romans 1, natural relationships, what it means is that they gave up men and they took women. And men gave up women and they took men. They went contrary to what God had created. Friends, I believe the reason why gay scholars have tried more than anywhere else in the Bible to rewrite this passage in Romans, is that Paul makes it clear that homosexuality is a process. Listen, there's a process. They suppressed the truth. Their minds became darkened. Their hearts became hardened. They would not listen to God, and God finally gave them up. It's a process into homosexuality. There's not a determinative nature that you're born with that you cannot experience change in. The world has lied telling us that there is such a thing as a gay gene. And listen, so many people in the church believe it. And they tell you, listen, if you start getting into the ring and you start talking to those who are, are pro-homosexuals, they're going to tell you, well, what about the Kinsey study? What about the Simon LeVay study? Don't you know about the twin study? Listen, not one of those studies have ever proven that there is a hereditary gay link to homosexuality. Not one of them. In fact, they themselves credit or acknowledge that it can't prove it. 2003, I believe it was, when the Human Genome Mapping Project was completed years before they thought it could. Guess what they did not find? And guess what the world has never told you? They've never ever found a gene called a gay gene. They mapped the entire body and it's not there. They looked for it. People thought they were going to find it. Well, you might be saying it's true, though, that some children from a very young age, they prefer playing with dolls and wearing mom's high heels rather than Tonka trucks and going out with dad cutting wood. I mean, come on, Pastor Tim, there seems to be something there. And there's people that I've talked to that have said from their earliest memories they've felt attraction to those of the same gender. And what seems clear to me, listen, you've got to understand the power of sin. Sin has disrupted every single part of creation. There's not any, even at the subatomic level, there's not any part of creation that sin didn't quite get to to touch. Landslides and tsunamis are because of sin. Am I being an Oral Roberts and saying that There's a bunch of gay people, and that's why on that coast that the tsunami came. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that because of sin that was brought in through Adam, we've got death by dropping towers. And we've got landslides and forest fires that are taking lives. Listen, all of creation groans for redemption. All of it's held under sin, awaiting Jesus who will remake it. So what seems clear to me is this, that sin has radically and totally corrupted all of creation at every level. And it produces in all of us propensities or predispositions towards certain sins. Now listen, in your life, you might have a predisposition to something that I don't have. And in my life, I may have a predisposition towards something you don't have. But when you combine those with family factors and or experiences, they can be incredibly powerful. Listen, it's well-researched, and my own counseling supports it. I've been counseling for 20-something years. It supports this, that the relationship a little boy or a little girl has with their same gender parent and experiences that they have with their same gender friends often are incredibly influential, whether they'll be homosexual or heterosexual. You take predispositions, I think that's how you explain the littlest ages, wanting to do things that seem contrary to their gender, It's not determinative. You're not born gay. There's a corruption. There is a, there is a predisposition, I think. But then you take experiences with families. You take experiences with experiences, like my nephew who was molested at sixth grade. And you take these social factors, relational factors, and biological factors, and now you know, I think, a very clear link. In fact, listen, they took the entire Danish population, two, almost 3 million people of Denmark. The entire population of Denmark, and they did this survey. And the evidence was overwhelming the unstable parents, and listen parents, you need to hear this, either absent or unknown fathers, little ones didn't know who their fathers were, or divorce, profoundly influenced homosexual tendencies. Now this is pretty telling for Denmark because they are openly and wildly pro-gay as a nation. You take all these factors, predispositions, family, friend relationship, experiences, they're all powerful, but they're not determinative. You have a choice. But the world will tell you another lie. And that third lie is this, homosexual desires cannot change. And here's what I've said, I've said the first lie is that The world tells us that homosexuality is not wrong. The second one is that people are born gay if they're homosexual. These are lies. Listen, Christian, don't believe them. Let the word of God be the truth. The third one is homosexual desires can't change. I want you to hear about a man who was in the celebrity center of a gay lifestyle in California. Listen to his story.
3: I came from being the most extravagant homosexual drug i was on ecstasy ghb special k all the drugs you can imagine and and i had one of the best looking boyfriends in the castro and i was celebrated i had it all i had it made in the shade to becoming such a hardcore on fire christian I mean, martyr me for Jesus. I'm telling you, I want it in God's timing. You know, but far be it from me to ever bow to the intimidation of the spirit of this age or be ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel and I will not be ashamed of Jesus' name. He saved me. He redeemed me. I'm married now. I have a beautiful wife. She's pregnant, nine months pregnant. I'm so happy that God has given me Natural affection for a woman. That's a miracle right there.
0: Listen, the world tried to tell us that there's a gay gene. It could not find it. You know what they're doing? They're switching now their approach. And they're telling you instead that people can't change and that if they do, you do try to change them then they're going to suffer consequences. Listen to this Myers and Scanzoni quote. "We, By the way, I believe they're a homosexual couple. We do not yet know why people end up attracted to others of their same sex. So they're admitting the first lie is a lie. But we do know... That some people, for some people, this attraction is irreversibly fixed. You see what the world's doing is now that they're having to, they're having to admit that people may not yet be born gay. Maybe we've got it wrong. Now they're switching their tactics and saying, but listen, if they're homosexual, you can't change them. They are determinedly fixed into that lifestyle. And the result of this lie, listen, it hit close to home because just, a, just recently, the New Jersey governor, Christie, he put a law into effect banning gay conversion therapy. Do you remember that? Making it illegal for parents, parents, think about this, making it illegal for parents or licensed therapists to use therapy to change the sexual orientation of minors. That's illegal, deemed unethical in New Jersey. They're just waiting for Pennsylvania to follow. But can a homosexual person change in a healthy way? Listen to the Queen James Bible, now reinterpreting 1 Corinthians 6. Here it is. Know ye not not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor morally weak, nor promiscuous. Now the King James were underlined there in the Queen James. The King James reads, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. If you've got the NIV, it reads, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders. You see, the dispute, the fight, is over the Greek words for effeminate and abusers of themselves. And pro-gay scholars are redefining abusers of themselves to mean the male who has many beds. In other words, whats is, whats is, what 1 Corinthians 6 is speaking against is homosexual promiscuity or pederasty, adult men with minor boys, who are not loving nor monogamous adult gay relationships. You hear all that? That was a lot of words. What they're condemning is this. Anything that is not monogamous, loving, consensual adult relationship is wrong. They admit that, but Paul's not speaking to that, they say. You see, these two Greek words, effeminate and abusers of themselves, they refer to the passive, that's the effeminate. They were often male prostitutes. Let me be a little clearer, and I'm going to try to hold to my... Realization there are some younger ears in here. A Roman citizen considered themselves freeborn. And a freeborn Roman citizen would never be on the receiving end of homosexuality. They were always, always on the giving end. Those on the receiving end in Roman, Greco-Roman culture were young boys and male prostitutes. Effeminate refers to those who are the weaker or the passive receivers, and abusers of themselves to those who are the active givers. I want you to notice the context in Roman or in 1 Corinthians six. Here's what it says. Paul writes, and this is in a, a real text, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. What he's saying is that no one practicing any of these as an unrepentant lifestyle will inherit the 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 kingdom of God, not any of them. You see, you just can't pull homosexuality out of the list to say, that's the really bad one, these aren't as bad, they're all bad. If you're practicing any of those in an unrepentant lifestyle, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. But look what Paul says in verse 11. He holds out evidence of change in any of these sins. He says, and such were some of you. Listen, some were swindlers. Some were thieves. Some were adulterers. Some were liars. And some were homosexuals. And the gospel can save any of them. The gospel can change anybody. And you're gonna hear that when you look again at Charlene Cothran and part of her incredible testimony and a change from a lesbian life. Listen to this.
2: And there are those who want to invite Christ in, but he's a gentleman. He's not gonna force himself on. You have to you have to invite him in. But he will only come into a clean place, a place that you allow him to clean. And so and I and I say that because i have in mind those um gays and lesbians who believe that they can be christian and gay at the same time that that is one of the 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 lies that that that, that satan uh is keeping people trapped in that is an untruth that the lord has sent me to tell you about you cannot be Christian and gay at this, or lesbian at the same time, Unrepented They say you can't be an unrepented gay person. You cannot be Christ. Can't live in you while darkness lives in you at the same time. It can't happen. But she, and I want you also to know the other the other lie he wants to to say to people who understand that is that Satan wants to say you can never be free. You can never stop wanting women. You've been going with women for thirty years. I stand as evidence that the Holy Spirit can and will change you if you give God your whole heart. The
0: world is lying, friends. Gay people can experience change. They can find freedom. And you can find example after example all over the Internet and in books of people who have come out of horrific experiences of homosexuality that are free with pure desires. Or they're celibate. In two thousand three Robert Spitzer conducted a study on two hundred self selected individuals, so they they, they named themselves There were 143 males, 57 females, in an effort to see if participants could change their sexual orientation from homosexual to heterosexual. The majority of these participants, they gave reports of changes from a predominantly or exclusively homosexual orientation before therapy to a predominantly or exclusively heterosexual orientation in the past year. You got Masters and Johnson, they're very credible. Listen, all of these are secular sources. I didn't bring any Christian sources into you because I know what the pro-gay person's gonna say is that you could do anything with numbers. This is the world finding out they're lying. Masters and Johnson showed immediate success rate of 79.1% with people coming out of homosexuality and 70, and of, and of those 79.1% I'm i got that wrong seventy one percent people stayed celibate the rest of their lives to this point. Pastor chip Ingram Ingram says that research has shown that what helps christians this is a, this is really interesting. what helps Christians who struggle with homosexuality learn pure desires. Listen, what helps them learn pure desires is deep, loving, non-sexual relationships with same-gender friends. Listen, if God brings into your life someone who is struggling with homosexuality... Listen, can you hold out the gospel? Can you tell them that the world is lying to them, that they're not born gay, that they're not happy and they cannot be happy, and that they can change? And can you show them, and will you walk with them, and will you love them, and be a friend, same-gender friend to them, helping them learn pure desires? Listen, a homosexual lifestyle is not as happy and healthy as the media likes to portray. People are not born gay, and the gospel can change the heart of anyone, even that of a homosexual. So listen, friends, listen. Be governed by love. Be armed with biblical knowledge. Amen.